I'm just going to, I'm going to take 20 minutes. I think that this, this, what I'm going to talk about, it's really helpful. Personally, I found it super helpful in all of the stuff that I do. Scripture teaching, youth leading, evangelism, all of this sort of stuff. I found this tool super helpful. So just give me 20 minutes. I promise it'll be fruitful for you. Um, I'm going to, well, actually, I just want to start by saying that, that this idea that Travis was talking about, that, that salvation isn't just um, Jesus died for my sins so I can go to heaven. It's actually so much bigger than that. It's, it's, it's that God is going to restore everything that he has made. He's going to make the whole world restored. And one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. That is an incredible thought. And it, it kind of reminded me when I think about that. It reminds me that the gospel is, it's not just news, it's actually good news. And it's always good news, and it's good news for everybody. And so we think about, like, you know, evangelism and sharing the gospel with other people. And I was doing this last night, Tick Boy and I were in the city, uh, and we were talking to people about Jesus and things like this. And, and somebody said to me, why are you doing this? Do you want my money? <laughs> and I, I was kind of like, uh, no, I don't want your money. And my genuine answer to her, she asked, why are you doing this? I just said to her, when I became a Christian, I found something that I considered to be good. And I just want other people to find that same good thing that I found. And I said to her, it's the same reason that when I watch something good on Netflix, I tell my friends, hey, check this show out. It's pretty entertaining. That's the only reason that I evangelize. It's the reason I tell people about Jesus, because he is good and he's been good to me. And I want you to have this good thing that I found. So some of you probably have that conviction, you've got that compulsion to tell people about Jesus. You know, we talk a lot at church about making disciples of people and that sort of stuff. And so you, you think to yourself, all right, I need to do that. It's in your heart, you want to do it, and then you go to your workplace and you start a conversation with a friend and you have no idea how to talk about Jesus' salvation for them in a way that doesn't make you sound like an absolute loony. And so you, you kind of back off from it. I want to help you guys to understand a way, just one way, there are heaps of ways, but this is one way of doing that. This is one way of meeting people where they are and bringing the gospel to them so that it makes sense in their life. Uh, a kind of way that, you know, people with bigger brains than me have talked about this, they call it contextualization. If you have a look at your handout, there's a definition there of contextualization. So have a look at the page in front of you. It should just be page two of the handout. This is from Tim Keller. He says, Contextualization is giving people the Bible's answers, which they might not want to hear, to questions about life that people in, that, in their particular time and place are asking. So doing this, it's about giving people the Bible's answers to their questions. It's not about posing questions that the people don't care about and then answering them. You're actually trying to answer their questions with the Bible. But that's not all it is. It's also doing it in language and forms that they can comprehend and through appeals and arguments with force that they can feel, even if they reject the argument in the end. Doesn't that sound incredible? I read that and I'm like, how cool would it be if every single Christian could do this? That would be so cool. People would be coming, like, people would be like, what he says there, it's about, they should feel the force of your argument. I think, I don't know if you had that experience where you feel the force of somebody's argument and you're compelled by it. How good would it be if we could win, if we could do that with that gospel? If we could take the gospel to people and make people feel the force of it. 
And all I want to talk about tonight is how we might do that. So this is just a model for contextualization. It's three points, and then we'll hop into it. Firstly, resonate with them. Secondly, dissonate, which technically isn't a word, but it's dissonance and dissonate. And then gospel. So I'll talk to you about what these three things are. But firstly, resonate. What it says in your notes is, you should immerse yourself in the questions, hopes, and beliefs of that culture so that you can give biblical, gospel-centered responses to its questions. Resonance, if, if you get nothing, resonance is about listening. It's about listening to the people around you and understanding what they're really saying. So like when you're sitting at lunch and, and your, your friends are talking about you know, their mortgage or they're talking about whether to buy property or not, you, you listen to that conversation and you realize they're not just talking about money, they're not just talking about property. Deeper than that, they're talking about security. Okay, so you, you, you resonate with that idea and you kind of go, okay, this is, this, is, this is one of the cultural narratives that Northern Beaches buys into is this idea of security. And resonating with that is kind of going, you know what, that's a really, really good thing. Security is incredibly good. We all want security, don't we? We want to feel secure. We, want to feel like, we don't want to feel like we can just be tossed around by the waves and, and taken um, advantage of. We want to feel secure. And so resonating, it's about listening to the people who are around you. I, I teach scripture. Um, I've told you guys about that a lot before. But my year six class on Tuesday was our first lesson for the year. And at the beginning of every uh, year, I ask all of my scripture kids the same question. I, get, I give them a little piece of paper and I say, answer this question. I want you to write down what you would say. If you could ask God anything and you knew he would answer it, what would you ask him? And there's you six kids. They write down their answer to the question. And at the end of that, I, I read all of their answers. And some of, them are, some of them ask really silly questions like, can I have a million wishes? And uh, others of them are like, why, does God let there, why, why do you let there be suffering in the world? Or how do I know that the Bible is true? And I look at those questions. And the reason I look at them and I read them is because I want those questions to be ringing in my ears for the rest of the year. I want to listen to their questions so that when I get to my scripture lessons later in the year, I actually know what these kids are interested to hear about. And this is the way we should live our whole lives. We have conversations with our friends, and we're, we're listening to them so that when we read the Bible and when we listen to sermons, their questions are ringing in our ears. How can we answer that question? How are we going to answer that question? How am I meant to think about all of these things that these people are bringing up? So that's what resonating is. Secondly, we, we should dissonate. So this is kind of where we, we give them, a, we kind of pose a, yeah, I, I, I resonate. So for example, this security thing. I'll give you an example of security. Reson so resonate with that. Yeah, I fully get the desire for security. I, I really get, like, it's, it, it sucks that sometimes you feel like people are taking advantage of you. It sucks that sometimes it feels like you're not getting, you're not, you're not secure. You, you, you're vulnerable. But if we go and seek security in our, in our job, sometimes that can lead to being insecure. And usually, this is, this is the way I'll talk about this with somebody. I'll pose it in the context of my own story. And so I'll say, when I finished uni, or when I was about to finish uni, I was thinking about what job I was going to go into. And I was looking at, you know, because I wanted to feel secure, I was looking at how much money each job paid. And so I was looking at the amount of money because I wanted to feel secure. But then I realized that if you're looking at how much money you're going to pay, you're in that job and you want security, but you always find yourself feeling insecure because you've always got that person looking over your shoulder. Are you working hard enough? Are you actually good enough for this job? 
And so you strive after security, but you find yourself feeling insecure. Have you ever had that feeling? You know, and I might say that to somebody. But this is what dissonating is. You're demonstrating that there is a problem with their redemption story. There's a problem with, you know, Travis talked about creation, full redemption. That person's redemption story, as long as I can feel secure, I'll be okay. You're demonstrating there's actually a problem with that. Chasing after security isn't going to make you feel secure. It'll actually make you feel insecure. This is what dissonating is. You're kind of saying this is, um, this is the, yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of a problem with the way that you're thinking. There's a little bit of an issue with that. And, and rather than attacking the person, which can feel really, um, you know, their walls will go up, I usually, when I do this, is I'll frame it in the context of a, my story. And so I'll talk about my search for security or my search for identity, my search for purpose, and how I've tried to find it in, diff- in wrong places, but it actually doesn't work out. So you resonate with them, you dissonate. By the way, I don't know if you guys have ever listened to Tim Keller. He's excellent at dissonance. He's so incredibly good at it. He has these books like the reason for God, where he'll pose a question like, why would God allow suffering in the world? And he resonates with the question. He'll spend the first third of the chapter saying, how good is this question? You know, this is a really valid question. But then he'll point out there's actually a flaw in the question. So he'll he'll point out that there's some error in thinking that way. And then he finishes by telling the gospel. This is what Tim Keller does in almost every sermon I've heard him preach. This is the way that he does that. And it's, it's really interesting to listen to. So you do that, you resonate with people, you dissonate, and then you, you show them that the gospel is the fulfillment of what they're actually looking for. And we have confidence that the gospel actually is the fulfillment of what everybody is looking for. This is, this, the gospel is the incredible news that no matter what you're looking for, what part of the world you're from, Jesus is the answer. It kind of sounds like Sunday school, but yes, Jesus is the answer. Have a look at your notes. It says, under gospel... Show them that Jesus or Christianity or the gospel has the ultimate answer to their longing. So this is what we do. We say, okay, so for example, with the security thing, you say, we all search for security. Security is a good thing. The problem is that when we look for security, we actually feel insecure because we're so worried that somebody's going to take it away from us. So wouldn't it be awesome if there was a place that we could find security that had nothing to do with our efforts? That had nothing to do with the way that we perform. Wouldn't that be incredible? Well, actually, the Bible tells us that there is a way that we can have that security. It's called the salvation of Jesus Christ. And it's not just security in this world. It's security forevermore. And it's got nothing to do with our performance. We can't lose it because we weren't good enough. And we can't gain it because we were good enough. This is how you show them that the the gospel is actually the answer to their longing. I'm going to give you couple of examples of this. So if you turn over your page, some more examples. I'm going to give you a couple more examples, just ones that um, I've heard or ones that I've thought up. And then I want you to have a go at it. So at the bottom of your page, there's purpose and there's identity. And I want you guys to, to maybe in pairs or, or just as we wrap up tonight, I want you to think about what are some ways that you might be able to resonate, dissonate, and give people the gospel in those contexts. But firstly, radical de- deconstructionism. Has anyone ever heard um, the claim that all truth claims are power grabs? Has anyone heard that? Truth claims are power grabs? All right, good. This is relevant for all of you. Uh, basically, what that means is that when, when somebody says that they have the truth, They're automatically asserting themselves as an authority 
and they often will use that truth claim to dominate everyone else. This is something that happens all the time, and it's happened a lot in the history of the church. So you claim truth, and then you assert your authority, and you oppress the people under you. So you think about, uh, we call it Christendom, but Christianity in the medieval age. The Holy Roman Emperor, he said, agree with me, or you go to hell. And so everyone was like, well, I guess we have to agree with you then. And so they automatically were at his, they were oppressed by him. And so we, we can resonate with that, yeah, that is, that is truth. All tr- truth claims are power grabs. It is true that that is the case. And it happens not just in Christian history, but also in secular history. As soon as somebody says that they have the truth, they're inherently asserting themselves as an authority, and they can abuse that authority. But you can also, you can dissonate that po- question. Because you say, the problem with, with that claim, that all truth claims are power grabs, the problem with that is that it's actually a truth claim. And therefore, it's a power grab. Do you see? Because they're actually saying all truth claims are power grabs. And so you're saying, I've got the truth, and therefore I'm automatically asserting myself over you, and I will naturally oppress you. So the problem with truth claims being power grabs is that it destroys itself, because it's saying it's a truth claim. And so you dissonate with them there. And then you say, wouldn't it be incredible if there was some kind of truth claim that didn't assert its dominance? If there was some kind of truth claim that didn't lord its power over the person under them. And you demonstrate to them that in the the Gospels, Jesus actually critiqued this very thing. When Jesus spoke to the religious leaders at the time, he rebuked them because they were lording their power over people. And Jesus comes along and he says that he is the truth, but then he doesn't dominate over us, he actually serves us. He actually puts himself in a place of powerlessness when he dies on the cross. And so you're showing them that, yeah, yeah, you resonate with the idea, but then you show there's a problem with it, but actually the gospel is the answer. Jesus is the answer. He is the truth claim that isn't going to assert itself as an authority. He's actually going to be a servant. So that's an example that I stole from my college lecturer. <laughs> it was way smarter than I am. Um, but let's talk about freedom. Freedom is another example. If you guys know the cultural narrative that um, I'm only being the tr- my true self if I'm truly free. Or I'm free to do whatever I want. Do what I want any old time, you know. That, that freedom claim. And we can resonate with that. You know, how good is freedom? Imagine if you were oppressed in a relationship. How terrible would that be? We hear those stories all the time. And they're terrible. Or imagine if you were oppressed by a government. How terrible would that be? And so you resonate with the idea of freedom. But then you might point out to them that when you are free, you can do whatever you like. But what I've found is when I, when I assert my freedom and I do whatever I want, I actually find that even though you know, I choose a career to, to do, any career that I want, I'm actually enslaved by the thing that I choose to live for. Almost all the time. I'm enslaved by the thing that I choose to live for. And so freedom was so important to me, but all of a sudden I don't have freedom anymore because I'm enslaved by my job, or I'm enslaved by my education, I'm enslaved by my family, Uh, I've become a slave to the thing that I thought my freedom was an expression of. And so you dissonate with it. And you go, wouldn't it be cool if there was some way that we could have freedom without being enslaved? And then you show them that Jesus is the answer to that. When Jesus came, he said in Matthew 11, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. So he offers us freedom, rest. He offers us freedom. But then in the very next line, he says, Take my yoke upon you. But he says, my yoke's not going to enslave you. It's actually 
a, a kind burden. It's a kind burden. And so Jesus is the one who comes along and he offers us freedom that won't enslave us. And so there you go, you're entering that cultural narrative. Uh, we talked about security before. Um, people chase after security, but they find that it actually leads to insecurity. And then the gospel says that you can have security apart from any of your efforts. But I want you just kind of for the next three minutes to either think about identity or purpose and how you might resonate with that, how you might dissonate with that idea and show that the gospel is actually the true fulfillment of those longings. So why don't you chat to the person next to you, have a bit of conversation. Hopefully from, from doing this a little bit, you can see that this isn't just a job for theologians. It's not just like a Bible college thing, but it's actually something that we can all do. Um, and we actually need to all do this because the only person who's going to know the, the, the longings and desires of your work colleagues, it's not me, it's not the guys who teach at my Bible college, it's actually just you. And so if you're not engaging with their ideas, if you're not thinking about how the gospel answers their longings, then nobody else will be. Um, so I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you to start thinking about this framework. You know what, actually, you don't need to think, think about the framework. I don't ever realize that I'm doing this and I do this every day. I don't, that's the beauty of a framework. You use it a few times, but then you just get used to using it. Um, but you always want to resonate with people. You want, to, you want to demonstrate that you hear what they're saying. You want to demonstrate that their narrative isn't going to, it's not going to solve their problems. And you want to show that Jesus is going to solve their longings. He is the thing that they're really looking for. Um, just in wrapping up, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to spend some time praying. Um, for this, that we would be a church who would, who would live this way, that we would be a church that loves people around us, that are patient enough and caring enough to listen to them, and that we can share Jesus with them in meaningful ways. So let's wrap up in prayer. Father, we, we have a good gospel that we get to share. Um, your love, it's incredible. The way you've revealed yourself in the scriptures, it's so amazing. Your character is complex, Lord, but it is so relevant and it's the answer to everything that we seek because you are the true God. You made us in your image. Lord, I just ask that you would really um, take this church and that you would shape us to be more like your son Jesus who is the perfect contextualizer. Uh, Lord, we, we want to be like him in the way that we listen to people and the way that we show them your love for them. God, fill us with your spirit as we do this every day. Let us not rest on our own strength or our own ability, Lord, but to see that, that you love these people more than anyone else possibly could and to walk with them toward you. Help us, Lord, to be um, a family, God's family on mission to make disciples of Jesus. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.